0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie podcast. I, as always, am your co-host Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host Jim, hey. your co-host Spaz, hello, and your co-host Hunter.
1: Boldly going
0: where no <laughs> one has gone before. Lots of trek talk well, right now. Lots I, I take th- that back.
2: There's, there's been a lot of people who've boldly gone before. There's me. been
0: a lot of going. There's been a lot of going. Since the original show, lots and lots of going um uh Holdly we ha- even boldly. we have a yeah. guest this week um Ray, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Nebraska. Oh, so you are in the middle of all of us um yep. uh joining us from Nebraska, the uh, developer of remnants of the precursor Ray Fowler. welcome back, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for hosting me again. Oh, yeah. It's been um, a little over two years, I think, since we had you on last. And, I mean, first off, let's talk about what this game is. Um, Folks, if you're unaware, Remnants of the Precursor is a free, and I emphasize, free. You can go download it right now on itch.io. There will be links in the show notes, and there's links on the streams. Sorry. Some big truck is backing up outside. We're trying to have a podcast here. Right? We're trying to do serious business here, people. Serious business. Uh, Rodents right of the Precursor oh, is a free Master of Orion 1 style base four X. And I can't emphasize the Master of Orion 1 style enough because, as we've said on the show many, many times... Too many people have tried to do Master of Orion 2. And that, that's baffling to me. Still feels absolutely baffling to um, me. But Remnants of the Precursor is more of a uh, Master of Orion style one game. Uh, now, Ray, what would you say has changed or improved between the last time you were on and now? Um. Well,
3: that was about two years ago. So what's happened since then is we've got all, all 10 races are in the game now. Uh, we updated all of the ship artwork to you know replace the old, like, the iconified type stuff. And that took a long time. And we've gone through a systematic uh, revamping of almost all the UIs. We have a graphic designer on the team now. And she's been uh, redoing all the UIs much nicer than I could ever do as a programmer and we are almost finished with that too. The game just is has a lot more features and is a lot more polished. Um, tactical ship combat's in the game now, and I don't know. I'm really happy with where it's at so far.
0: Yeah, like last time, there was no tactical ship combat, and and that is kind of a polarizing thing. Like, some people say you don't need it. Um, yeah, some people would be happier without it. No, you uh, definitely need it. Yeah, I, th- I think you do, but... It doesn't need to be super detailed. It's, it like, I don't know. I think, um, I think the Age of Wonders games and maybe Endless Legend have probably done the best at this, with mixing the strategic and the tactical layer. Don't make your tactical layer too complicated. For Master
3: of the One though, it's, it's pretty important because ship design is such an important part of this game. That's and true. You don't really get to see how well your designs are working until you see them in combat. Right. So without combat, it, the ship design would just feel like this blank slate that you're not sure how well you're doing or not. But if you design something you think is great and then you go into combat and they get flattened, then, you know, you you know, you have to go back to the drawing board.
0: And there are like uh, the original master of uh, so many toys to play with. I love being the, C- the, is the Cylons, Cylons. I always want to say Cylons. Cylons are the smart ones with the big heads. Yes. So Cylons. Um I always love them because uh they get all the tech they get all the research bonuses. Like I just I just love them so much. Um So so yeah, uh let's remind folks again this game is a free game. What was the impetus to keep it free? Okay, well so
3: part of me dies a little bit Every time when when people say it's free, is like as that's the big selling point. I mean, it's not free for me. It's it's cost no, me. I,
0: I, but no, I mean, no, 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 no.
3: But what I mean is, is I mean, I'm not trying to say that. But what I mean is, is uh, um, you know, free games have have such a bad reputation, right? I think I mentioned this on the quarter to three forums. You know, a lot of people see a free game and they immediately think, oh, this is not going to be a good game. And so, actually, I think being free turns off a lot of people. So I guess my point is, is this is actually a, a very well polished game. I mean, this is, it's only free because um, I can afford to make it for free, right? And so I, I don't, I want, I want people that have never played Master 1 to actually have a way to uh, play a modern version of it, right? And I don't cut any corners. I mean, everyone who's worked on this game is pro- professional whether it's me, the developer or the graphic designer. We have a writer who's a professional writer. Of course, the illustrator is amazing, and we just brought a, a professional sound designer on the team. And um, Tom Chick is writing the the player manual, right? That's, so I'm trying.
0: That's fantastic. That's Not to any corners at all. That is that is great. I love that you got Tom Chick to write your manual. That just oh, that, I love that I got Tom Chick. I'm a huge fan of his. That just tickles me to no end.
2: He still owes me money.
0: Ugh, long story,
2: but I'll let that go.
3: So I'm looking like at the stream as you're playing it, right? And there's an example of some of the writers' work. I mean, that intro screen, which gives you the backstory of each race, and all the races have their own race-specific dialogue. So the way the Borothi might declare a war on you may be different from the Silicoids and and you know whatever.
0: Which I do like. I do like. I did. I did enjoy the writing uh, very much. It was very. I think when the, the bear race, the bears, the space bears, when they declared war on me, as you'll see, I just, I did get a like little hearty chuckle, like at their, at their bombastic. uh, There we go. (laughs) There they are (laughs) on the stream, right? At least as I'm looking at it. Um, But uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not saying that free is a bad thing, but I have to admit, I've I share that bias because I'll go I go through the Steam new releases like every day, multiple times a day because you have to. And uh, if a game is free, I will not even look at it. I I admit to doing that. I will not even. And, and
3: it that is, that's a very smart calculation, right? Your time is generally more important than, than to be spending looking at free games. I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird thing because I don't... I mean, a lot of people put time and effort into free games, and I've played free games that are uh, yours and others that are pretty darn good, but when I'm going through Steam, it's like, free-to-play? Nope, 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 nope. I will just... I will barely even give it a glance. Uh,
3: right. And another thing with free games, free-to-play games, is they're actually trying to make money from the game. They'll usually have some sort of you know, ads or, you know, some, I don't know, maybe a pay to win, or they have some way of trying to get you to spend money on the game if you want. And so that also turns off a lot of people. And so I don't do that at all. When you get download this game, you're getting the whole complete game, right? There's no ads or anything like that. It's just a, it's just a straight game like it was made in 1993.
0: But I guess I should have rephrased my question. What you could charge for this. Why aren't you? Is that a better way to ask um, that question?
3: Okay, no, no, you're right. You know what? Right. And I I I kind of I kind of got derailed. So
0: no, uh, that's fine. Yeah. I could have asked the question better. That's that's on me. But so the reason the reason why I'm not charging is
3: um it's really the purpose of this project. I mean, it is a hobby, right? It's a kind of a passion project. I don't have to make this game, I don't have to sell this game to make money. I'm actually retired now, right? So uh, this is just kind of... I I love Master of Ryan 1. I thought it was a great game, and I think it gets kind of a a bad uh, reputation compared to the second, the sequel. And so part of me wants to make this game, but with modern graphics, and kind of show people, hey, this was actually the best of the series, right? It was this first game. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people won't play the first game because it it runs in DOS and it's got old graphics. So they won't have that excuse now.
0: Yeah, I... I don't, I'm not, I don't know if Master of Orion 1 has a worse reputation. I, I. it's just, oh, yeah. it, isn't, it isn't as louded. It isn't as.
3: It's, yes. I, and that's because uh, in my opinion, the reason Master of Orion 2 is so much more louded than 1 is because Master of Orion 3 was such a dumpster fire. Right. Mm. I mean, if Master of Orion 3 had been a decent game, right? Not terrible. If they, if the team had been allowed to finish it and they actually made a decent game, Mm. people would have moved on to Master of Orion 3. And then there would have been a Master of Orion 4, you know, maybe a few years later. Right. And then Master Mm. of Orion 2 would have just been seen as a bump on the path, just like Civ 2 would be seen. But instead it was like the last Master of Orion compared to, and compared to 3, which was terrible. So, you know, how can it not look amazing in comparison?
0: That's a really good point. Like, because 3 was so, so terrible. I've not played 3 because I heard it was so terrible. I've I've actually never played it. But it literally killed the franchise overnight. That's how
3: bad it was. <laughs> I mean, not very often. I mean, it took like 15 years before Wargaming finally, you know, got the name in an auction and, and tried to make a sequel. But it was pretty much dead and buried for over a decade.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny. They got the name and then they tried to just remake two again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but you're, I never thought of it that way, but because three is such garbage, it's uh, it's made two's reputation and memory shine that much brighter. That's a very interesting point. And I think you're right. Like imagine if two had not been so good then maybe one would get the attention it deserves because right, I'm with because you, I'm, Sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, no, no. Cause if you're thinking about it, let's say, um, you know, it's 2005 and someone says, oh, you should try master of Orion. That was a great game, but don't try three. Cause three sucks and everybody knows it sucks. So if you don't know, and you got to pick master of Orion one or master of Orion two, well, You're going to pick two, right? It's just like Civ 1 and Civ 2. You're not going to realize that they're actually very different games, and you're just going to pick the second mm. one, and it's a good
0: game, and you're going to like it,
3: right? I and mean, it's not a bad game.
0: It's the first, it's one of the first uh, 4Xs I ever played. I started with Master Brian 2. Oh, and, really? So, yeah. how did you like when did you play Master Brian 1? I finally played Master Brian 1 a couple of years ago, uh, for the channel, and I found I liked it more than Master of Orion 2. I thought its its uh, elegance was in its simplicity. Like it's a better game. It is. I just a I think game. it is. I think it is due to. I mean, you, I don't need that much detail. I mean, I guess it's nice to have it, but I don't need to pick every building on every colony. You know. I mean, that's. I mean, if that's the direction you want to go, fine. But like, I think the elegance. I think the elegance of master Orion one makes it overall a better experience. Like you're focusing, you're focusing more instead of, Oh, does this colony have a farm and does this colony have a research? You're focusing on the bigger picture. You're like the actual space emperor rather than space emperor and space governor at the same time, which might be a bit much. Um, So yeah, it, it, like, I played the second one. I'm like, why would I even go back to the first? Second one's great. And then now that, now since i played the first one, I'm like, damn. <laughs> right. So, like, put yourself in the shoes
3: of somebody like me. I was around 30 when Master Orion 1 came out, and I was wow. already playing Civ, and it was a lot of fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, when Master Orion came out, I actually it was a friend who at work who told me that I should play this game and I played it and I just fell in love with it. It was it was better than Civ. It absolutely was. I agree. And I think, yeah. and I think a lot of people thought Master Ryan was probably the best Forex on the market at the time. And then Civ 2 came out, and Civ 2 was a big improvement over Civ. But then so when Master Ryan 2 came out, everybody was like super excited, right? And I think a lot of Master Ryan fans were disappointed. <laughs> Right by the by the sequel, but a lot of people who never played it played it and they loved it. It was a great game. I'm not trying to bash Master of Orion two. I just think one is better.
0: Oh, no, I I completely agree that Master of Orion one is the better game. Um, but it, it's 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 kind of sad because Master of Orion two has that reputation. So few games are now in that Master of Orion one kind of milieu. Like you have yours, and there's I forget the name of the other one. There's someone else working on one at the moment. Well, it's called Beyond to Beyond, but now it's something Dumbness Galaxia. Thank you. Yes, that one, which is also quite good. And then there's the first Sword of the Stars, and and that's that's it, really. <laughs> uh, whereas Master of Iron 2, there are dozens literally dozens of clones many of which came out in the last few years that have been completely forgotten, you know, because it's just like, I don't know, Jeff on YouTube. I don't know if I would say stars is a master of Orion one clone. I'd say that's more its own beast (laughs) to be honest for those of us who've played stars. Um, but it does have that. Hmm. Sorry.
1: It's had a great game in its own right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, an amazing game. Um, but yeah, definitely more its own thing than a Master of Orion One style. It's like Distant Worlds is really its own thing. Kind of Master of Orion One or Two clone. So let let's start let's for folks who aren't familiar with the project, when did you start working? remind us all when did you start working on this bad boy
3: um well there's two dates um the current project i started on almost exactly five years ago it was february 1st uh 2015 is when i started i thought it would take me a year to finish (laughs) (laughs) well programmers are notoriously bad with deadlines and i'm a programmer so i'm notoriously bad with deadlines
0: Okay, so apparently... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say Jeff in YouTube right now is the guy working on Dominus (laughs) Galaxy. Like, oh, hi. (laughs) So, uh, yeah,
3: I'm sorry. So it really started after Massive Orion 3 bombed and crashed, and I decided I needed to learn Java professionally. So I decided to, you know pick up a project I think that would give me Java experience. So I decided to write a master of Orion remake in Java just as an attempt to learn Java. And I called it Java Moo at the time. And, um, I, I got it working pretty good, but it was ugly. It was very small. It was, wasn't finished. And, uh, when I realized it was going to be ugly and I kind of moved on and I stopped working on it. And then around 2015, I kind of got the itch again and I dug out my old code and I restarted the project from that code base. And oh. that's what we've got.
0: Oh, wow. So there are two beginnings.
3: Yeah, it was originally called uh, Java Moo uh, Rise from Ruin. <laughs> 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 Moo 3 was so terrible. <laughs> that's what I was going to call it. I then heard... uh, this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Then when I restarted it, You know how it was um, Master Orion and then Master Orion 2 was called Battle of of Antares, I think. So I was going to call this one Java Moo. This time it's serious.
0: (laughs) Nice. Uh, (laughs) You can be like, move over. We're serious. Uh, uh. All right,
1: I'll see myself out.
3: About three months after I started this project in 2015 um wargaming announced that they were rebooting master of orion mm. so uh, um, it turns out that um i think it was chris keeling he was like one of the guys that was one of the representatives for wargaming about a month earlier i'd had my first alpha for java moo and at the last minute somebody named chris keeling sent me an email and said he wanted to be in the alpha and i didn't know who he was and it was too late so i said no and then when uh, Wargaming announced Master of Orion. I'm like, oh, Chris Keeling. That's the guy who wanted to be part of my alpha. So I made a point before I did another alpha. I contacted Wargaming. I kind of exchanged some emails with Chris and some people there. And I said, hey, listen, I don't want to, I want to respect your IP. I don't want to, you know, do any, I don't want to get sued. Right. But, and uh, so what do I need to do for my game to make sure that I don't, you know, you know, get on the bad side of your lawyers. And I guess they discuss it. And after a while, they came back to me and said, just change the name. So I changed the name from Java Moo. Moo is Master Ryan. And I changed the name at that point.
0: And I I, I do have to ask, uh, why Java first off?
3: Well, a couple of reasons. Originally, back in the day when it was Java Moo, it was because I wanted to learn Java for my job. But now... I decided I wanted to keep it Java because I knew I wanted to open source the game. So I wanted to get like the platform independence of Java. So if I write something in Java, it'll run on Mac, you know, windows and Linux. And then when I open source it, there's a billion Java programmers out there that if they want to update the source code, you know, if they know
0: Java, then they're good to go. Okay. Cause I usually, it's, it's rare that I run into a game. That's a, uh, was it a JAR file? Like, what oh the- yeah, that's a jar file, right? It's You know, well, I can't do anything about that. Right? No, it's not. It wasn't a problem. It ran just fine, as you can see, on the stream. But I was just—it it was a little jar. Oh god. Oh, no, no. <laughs>
2: does, does your wife ever have trouble getting? I,
0: I didn't mean does your it.
2: Wife ever have trouble getting Java to open, so she says, "Hey Brian, can you open this jar?"
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> now who's seeing themselves out? Good <laughs> night, everybody. It is different,
3: right? And, and actually, Java actually has a bad reputation because, you know, Java applets that you would run on the Internet were very prone to security problems. And so Java developed a bad reputation as a result of that. And this is not an applet, it's an application and it doesn't connect to the internet or anything like that. So, it, you know, you don't need to be on steam to play it. You know, when you play a steam game, you've got a game that's constantly, you know, communicating back with remote servers. And uh, this game doesn't do that. Once you download it and play it, that's it. Right. It doesn't, it you know, it doesn't send out any information or anything like that. Oh right. Oh, I so it's mean, not
1: part of Epic's China spyware?
2: <laughs> Jokes. Jokes.
3: I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move everybody to a subscription
0: plan or anything like that.
2: <laughs> N-
1: yet. Well, right? Yeah.
0: Now working in working in Java, does that give you any kind of either freedom or issues that you might that you might uh not have dealing with say Unity or Unreal or whatever the heck everyone else is using. You know what I mean? Like Right. Well there is there are actually Java game development
3: libraries um that will you know that will emulate some of that stuff. And I and I think Minecraft uses them, but I don't use them. Everything I wrote is in straight Java. And so it, it kind of gives me a freedom from not having to worry about what your video card is or even if you have a video card. I don't I don't use The game doesn't use it it runs straight on your cpu um the downside is is i have to write everything from scratch right so when you see effects and stuff like that that's me drawing pixels right in the game you know (laughs) all this all the all this stuff you see in you know all the screens and stuff all those widgets and buttons i manually drew those right so uh, um so it's a little bit more overhead on my end but you know, I enjoy doing it. And also that's why it doesn't really look like a Java game, right? Because I'm not using,
0: you know, built-in Java widgets or anything like that. Uh, no, it doesn't look like a Java. I don't even know if I've played any other Java games. To be perfectly honest with you. I I can't think of one. It's the only one I've ever played.
1: Minecraft.
0: <laughs> Is Minecraft
3: Java?
1: Minecraft?
0: It was, or at least
3: the older version. Really? Minecraft was java i assume it still is i don't know well
2: so go ahead oh so il2 the flight sim java what yep no some crazy stuff in java not that you ever should but (laughs) wait a minute il2 is java yeah not javascript but java what
0: (laughs) okay that's insane (laughs) Uh, That is just insane.
3: Just for the record, the reason the reason JavaScript is called JavaScript is because when they created the language, Java was becoming popular and they wanted to kind of latch onto that popularity. So they called their script JavaScript. It has nothing to do with Java at all.
2: Like no shared syntax at all?
3: Nothing. It's it's a completely different thing.
0: Apparently the desktop standalone version of Minecraft is still in Java. According to Jeff or on YouTube. That's. insane. (laughs) I mean, so then why aren't more games made in Java? Like you have one of the biggest games ever made in Java. Why aren't more games made in instead of unity? I mean, why? Well, for starters, um,
3: it requires a JVM, right? And uh, you don't create pure compiled code like you do, let's say, with C or something like that. So, Java has a reputation for being a slow, too slow performance for for video games. So, when I first started doing this, and I told people that, hey, I'm going to write it in Java, I always tell, don't do it in Java. Don't do it in Java. It's going to be too slow. So my response was like, okay, hold my beer and watch this, right? I'm going to make my Java game run fast. And I think I've done a pretty good job of it. It's not perfect, but it's
0: it it's good enough. I'm not running the 3D game or anything, so. Oh, wait. So Jeff is saying Java isn't an engine. It's a language. So. Java is a programming language. That's correct. Right. So. Oh. That just broke my brain like if it's not an engine what's running the game <laughs> It. i mean that
2: well you of, write the engine you write the engine. okay so
3: the way java works i'm going to give you a quick lesson right okay java uses something called the jvm which is the java virtual machine right so when you write a regular game and you compile it to an exe file it's compiled to a low-level machine language that Runs specifically on that computer. So you can't compile something for Windows and then take that EXE and run it in on a Mac or a Linux because it's a different operating system, right? The way Java solves that is every all of the operating systems, whether it's Windows or a Mac or a Linux, they have what's called a JVM, a Java virtual machine. So what a, And that's going to be running on that machine. And so the Java program runs on the JVM and the JVM is consistent everywhere. So this allows someone who's writing Java to write it one time, write the game one time and it'll run everywhere. That was the original pitch for Java, write once, run anywhere. And so uh, you get automatic cross-platform compatibility when you write in Java. Oh, okay. Was Jeff that too is, confusing?
0: I'm sorry. No, no, it makes it does help. And Jeff also explained that Unity could have used Java instead of C+, e for example. So that just C sharp. C sharp is basically Microsoft sharps. Java, right? It's not really, oh. it's very, very similar to, to Java. This, this, the, title, the subtitle of this podcast is. Brian Rubin proves he's an idiot because my God, I knew none of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Java
3: none. programmer, so I know this. It's okay.
0: Did you, did you, now when you were, before you retired, is that what you did? Like, were you programming in Java f- as a career?
3: Uh, yeah, I actually, my last job, I worked at a, um, a an email security firm and I did a lot of Java. I wrote uh, a lot of stuff in Java and it was very, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on internet security and a lot of emphasis on performance. So, you know, I have a lot of experience with making things run fast. So uh, when someone told me I couldn't write a game in Java because it would run too slow, I,
0: I kind of took that as a challenge more than anything else. Uh, okay. Would you say it's, uh, would you say, okay. Cause I tried to learn programming last year and it's a, I couldn't wrap my head around a lot of it, but as as far as complexity goes, would you say Java is on like the more complex scale or the less complex scale of, of languages? Um, I think
3: it's actually pretty straightforward, but I think anyone, any programmer worth their salt will tell you that the, the language doesn't matter, right? Programming is kind of like an abstract concept of problem solving, and languages are just syntax. And so if you're a good programmer, you can write in any programming language. You just might have to sp- spend a week or two learning the syntax of the language, and then after that, you're you're fine. Man, I
0: feel so stupid right now. <laughs> <I> feel... <Yeah. laughs> hey, man, don't feel stupid. I am on your podcast. No, no. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I could ever make a game myself. I'm too dumb. Well, the easy way
2: <laughs> To start is, uh stick around with mods, like look at mods that people have made. Crack it open, see what's going on in there. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Does this work, yeah. Yeah, it sounds so intimidating. Like
0: so, so intimidating. Um, but see,
3: what's really funny was the first time I actually had a chance to program. I got my first computer back in like 1981. It was a TRS-80 color computer and I can tell you right now I
0: had that the the hardcover right now as soon as I
3: started sorry. writing code I knew that that's what I wanted to do it was like it, it, immediately it like scratched an niche in me that I didn't even know existed and so I've I've coded written code my entire life either at work
0: or at home for hobbies I mean it's yeah I, I don't I know heard- it's just what I like to do I remember back in those days, gaming magazines would include like a centerfold, but it was BASIC, and <laughs> and it would be like an asteroids game that you could type out to play on your own, like TRS-80 or Commodore or whatever that used BASIC. And I remember I spent like hours copying that code to try and get it to run. Those are the those are the days. <laughs> I'll
1: yeah, tell you what,
3: once you learn to write once you learn to write a, a program on a computer that has 32k of memory, you learn how to write compact code
0: if you want to get anything done. Because there's not a lot you can do with 32K, right? No, it's true. I mean, I'm still amazed that Starflight existed when it did. On two low-density floppies, you had that whole universe. Oh my god! <laughs> now does does Java so, help? Oh, so no, go, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead. After you. Uh, so, what do you think about the artwork? Oh, in your game? Yeah. It it um hmm. It's like a mix of old and new. You know, it's it's a mix of um. It's kind of has a classic style but like it's more modern. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like I do. Th- it, it it looks like um it looks like a modern Master of Orion 1 style game. Honestly. And I I Master of Orion 1 does not look bad in my opinion. Um
3: no, really, I like it. I I love the look. I, I don't uh, when I stumbled across this artist uh Peter Panov, I was just blown away by his work. And he's been working uh pretty much exclusively on this game for about four and a half years now. He's done a lot of art. There's a lot of artwork in the game. There is that you uh, don't really see until you start playing it, and all of a sudden you'll see something you didn't
0: see before, right? One thing I love about it is its clarity. Very easy, easy to see the fleets, the stars, the buttons, the sliders. Um it's very easy to read. I mean, I like the different. Like, it's an ocean planet. This is a desert. I love the desert. Like, for example, the desert planet and the um, ocean planet graphics. For example, yeah, it's it's got it's a very clear art style that looks like someone saw a game from 1993 or 90. It was 93. Was the first Master of Orion? I think they saw a yeah. game like that and said, "How can I make this?" Uh, could i pay an homage to that game while making this more modern and more readable for modern audiences so no i think right. the artwork's great and the I, I, and and because you've um copied mu1 your ui is also great i mean it's so straightforward you know like it's yeah well, so, I
3: think a lot better because uh when i brought uh when Caitlin joined the team, she's the graphic designer. uh, And you might see this on your old podcast. A lot of the screens were pretty um, outdated and she's gone through and modernized a lot of them. And she's uh, made the game a lot more presentable than it had been before.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I had no, I'm, I'm something of a UI nut, you know, and because you've, Chosen to cut to, I won't say flat out copy, but because your inspiration is one of the most elegant UIs in gaming, I think, um, you had a real great place to start. And yeah, it's like you move a ship, you make a slider. It's just like you get to focus on the larger picture and it's so easy with this game because your UI is so elegant.
3: Yeah, it was actually kind of a challenge because um, the way it works is she would just like, uh, I, I would show her the current screen I had, which was the programmer ugly screen. Mm-hmm. And then I would explain to her, this is what the screen is supposed to do. This is the information we need to convey to the player. You know, this is how they did it in the original Master of And usually my version of the screen was very similar to that. I tried to mimic it. And then she would come back and then she would ask me questions. Well, what about this? And what about this? And then she would go off and Photoshop, (laughs) which was tough, right? She would go off and Photoshop and like paint this beautiful picture of what the UI looks like, should look like. And then she would hand this to me and I would have to like scratch my head and say, okay, how am I actually going to make it look like this? (laughs) This is going to be hard, right? But which is fun. It's kind of a challenge. But so uh, that's why a lot of the screens,
0: you know, look really
3: artistic. You know,
0: they're done by an artist. Right, and you can totally tell that there's an artist's flair. Even the design screen, which I didn't fully understand, uh, (laughs) because I don't usually do ship design. I'm like, hey, we have a new ECM. Where do I install this? I don't know. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to worry about it. Um, But I'm assuming once you hit final, this thing will probably have a tutorial and whatnot to explain that sort of thing. that part is that part of the plan
3: yeah well i don't know if we're gonna have a tutorial but um, we're gonna have uh the the manual written by tom chick and that'll probably be available in game and that'll probably explain a lot the problem with to me with putting in-game tutorials and tool tips and stuff which i know a lot of people love is that you only like need them the first couple times you play the game and then then they're just in the way so um I'm kind of leaning against cluttering up the UI with too much stuff that you're not going to need once you're used to the game, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, I mean, a lot of games, like, you play the tutorial, and then if you restart, it gives you an option to skip the tutorial. But there usually isn't an option to turn off tooltips, for example. So if those start getting annoying, like... I've tried to, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I've tried to bounce my, I've tried to dive into Crusader Kings, like, five times, and the tutorial isn't great, and then there's tooltips upon tooltips upon tooltips, and I'm like, no, I I can't handle all this. i just well one thing
3: we did try to do is you'll notice like sometimes when you like colonize a new planet or something like you meet a new race you'll have like a little advisor pop up on the left side and Mm -hmm. give you some descriptive text and that was our replacement for the um master's notes that were in the original game which would kind of serve the same purpose so you know if you if you don't know anything about sitting transports then well the first time you colonize a a planet, right? You'll have your advisor come up and say, Hey, we should send transports to it. Right. Just to kind of prompt you to learn things. Oh, we got a new weapon. Maybe we should go design and ship that uses this new weapon or something like that. Things like that.
0: Yeah. And and I I did like that. Um, So the manual that Tom is going to rail will probably be an in-game manual. Like you hit F1 and it'll probably be in the game.
3: Oh, so you're totally going to hit F1. Is <laughs> it? Isn't, isn't F1 the traditional help key?
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Is that where the manual is going to live once it's uh, in the game?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll and it'll probably just pop up as a PDF so that you can view it or something.
2: Maybe okay. I'll have it as
3: a, H- maybe a HTML page that are hyperlinked. That might be good too. That would be. Because then I can just I could deliver some HTML pages as part of the game, and I don't know if I can launch a PDF. Uh, viewer in java because i think you might have to have that installed on your machine but i can launch mm. an html yeah uh, that'd
0: probably be better day. then you could hyperlink things you know and and have like hyperlinked indexes and, and stuff like that html probably yeah. would, would be a bit better yeah especially if you're doing it in game but you can also you can do both you can have like a pdf copy that like comes in the zip file you're gonna do it that way and then, like, yeah, maybe you know, we the PDF
3: when we want to print out the book for the box set or something, if we do a box set, they'll have a printed book in
0: it. Oh, I would pay for a physical copy that came on, like, a, like a couple of low density fl- three and a quarter inch floppies. Absolutely. <laughs> probably would put them on floppies. That would be kind of pointless. But yeah, we're seriously
3: but, thinking about a box set, right? You know, like with a, with a fold out tech tree that you could put oh, on the wall. Oh,
0: wow. I think it would be I'm looking up to see if they have like if you can get a floppy disk that's actually a USB drive. You know what I mean? <laughs> just give
1: yeah, them.
3: A yeah. Oh, to do it. yeah, we can get like a USB drives that have like the game logo
0: on it or something like that. But no, what I was thinking is have like the USB drive look like a three and a quarter inch floppy. You know, so it looks like you're. It lo- it looks like one of those old big boxes where you open it up and there's the manual and there's the floppies. God, I
3: think, yeah, I don't think we're gonna have floppies, but I I totally uh, appreciate the sentiment. I mean, I don't even know if USBs are. By the time this is done, I don't even know if USBs are going to be the the medium of choice anymore.
2: Well, it depends on how long you take. I mean, we might be using little crystal cubes that we drop. In the top. <laughs> I saw that on Buck. I'm not
3: going to take that long. Um, I, I expect us to probably be in beta by the summer. Oh, wow. That's so, so I told Tom that when we go to beta, that's when I want him to start working on the manual. So the, the beta is going to be when all the features, the game features are in and they're like almost all there. All the UIs have been redone. And then Jeff, our writer is through with all of his race specific text. Once we're at that point, I'm going to call it a beta and then um, we'll probably start handing the text off to all the translators and then Peter will continue working on any remaining artwork, but it should, that should just be artwork. It shouldn't be text or new features or anything like that. And so then the beta period will last for quite a while. Uh, Cause I don't know how long it's going to take to do the translations. And then at some point we're going to call it and call it official.
0: Right. 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 So. What
3: and working like? the AI all the way through the beta so by
0: the time we get to the release the AI should be pretty formidable i hope so cuz i mean the ai wasn't bad but it, like i started bombarding their planets and they really they didn't counterattack like at all like they yeah, bombo- they bombarded one of my planets maybe once and that was it yeah they had left and they left yeah yeah right. Yeah, there hasn't
3: been a real pass on the AI yet. So um, that's actually the the in the next update, I'm actually I'm going through the AI now and finally figuring out. Okay, he he can bomb planets. How can we make it more effective so that he he does this aggressively? And so hopefully it'll get better. And then I'll take player feedback. I mean, I get a tremendous amount of feedback from testers. I would say we have, I don't know about three four hundred active players, and I would say about. 10% of them are actively sending me feedback and I get a lot of requests like, you know, this, the AI is doing this. It's not smart. It should be doing this. So I've got like a lot of good input that I'm going to be, you know, working on fixing, you know, as we get to the beta.
0: That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I I didn't really have a problem with the AI. I thought it was kind of funny, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I I thought it was funny how it just attacked once and then left. Like it, I was not ready to really defend that colony it was attacking. So it could have really damaged it. And I I don't know why it just stick around.
3: (laughs) It's going to get better. It's definitely going to get better. I mean, um, there hasn't been very much emphasis put on the AI at all, right? I've wanted to make sure that the game is feature complete because the worst thing you could do. this is just my opinion is if you start the AI too early and then you go and add features, I mean, look at the DLCs for various games, right? You know, the, the AI is pretty decent and then they release a bunch of DLCs and all of a sudden the AI can't, can't do it. Right. And so it gets
1: dumber. Uh, Oh,
2: I think you just explained my problem with every four X game.
3: Yeah, there's not going to be any DLC for this game. So what I'm, what I'm fond of saying right now is when you play the game, it's right now it's the worst it's ever going to be. Huh. From here to the future. It's, it's not going to get worse, right? I'm not going to suddenly say, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to add this feature and then break everything else. I mean, the feature set is kind of locked in. So now it's just kind of polish and making it better. I'm not going to put out a DLC because I need to make money
0: right right uh now once the game hits 1.0 is is that the time to start working on the sequel or yes definitely oh Um, there there will
3: definitely sequel and um it's going to be fun we've already got we have done a tremendous amount of brainstorming and with the writer on things we're going to put in the game and we might have Um, there's a really good chance, I shouldn't say might, there's probably a really good chance that sometime between um, the release of this game and the release of the sequel, which won't take nearly as long to make as this one, um, we'll probably have like a a, a source book. I think we're going to make where it has all where the writer and the artist can put together a source book of the history and the lore behind all these races and, you know, a lot of useful um, in-game information. We might do a Kickstarter for something like that. I think.
0: Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be fun to read. Not the game. It would be a book, right? It would be a book. It wouldn't be the game. The game will still be free. Oh, right. But I mean, having a printed out source book, you can always run a role-playing campaign on. (laughs) That would be fun. Oh my God. I shouldn't make it work with fifth edition. (laughs)
3: Be <laughs> oh my God, dude. That
0: would be great. I hadn't thought about that, but now I've got to think about that. Well, I mean, when you say source book, that's, that's immediately in my mind goes a role playing source book.
3: Well, You'll note that like when you started a game and you picked a race, it kind of gives you this little backstory about the race. Right. And that's just yeah. like this little summation of, the race's goals for the game and it's just there to provide immersion and a lot of the text in the game you know plays off of that and a lot of times you know when other races are talking to you they'll use phrases and terminology that reference their particular situation so what the source book's going to do is is going to expand on that and then we may expand on in even more detail in in the in the sequel to this
0: game I mean there's already so much here you have eight races 10 races it's a lot of races 10 yeah 10, ten. we've will obviously we have at least three more in the next what one, at least three more races
3: and the thing is is unlike um a commercial game this is another thing a problem i have is you know like if you look at every commercial game like look, look at civ for example civ's a great series and i love Firaxis. but you know, when they decide they have to make a new game, they have to throw everything from the previous game away and rebuild everything from scratch, right? So that all the AI improvements and DLCs and enhancement that were in Civ 5 suddenly go away if you go out and buy Civ 6 and you have to wait for them to remake all that stuff again. So since I'm not really tied to that, right, I can take this game and just build the sequel off of it so i don't have to redo all of the work that i've done here i could just kind of expand upon it and create
0: a separate game from it why do you think they do that though like i'm one of those people who thinks civ 4 is the best civ um why did yet, they do it no why like like why do they well they do all- it because
3: they need to sell a new game right i mean they it's 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 totally a financial Thing, right i mean they developers got to eat too right and at some point they say well we can't sell dlcs anymore because you know the games get kind of old so you know how do we get people interested in buying civ again or stellaris again or endless space again well let's make a you know civ 6 or Civ 7 or endless space 2 well,
0: I can or whatever the and Stellaris question just make the <laughs> game over again and over again and over again
3: that's exactly what they do i mean literally that's what they do and they put some bells and whistles on it. I'm not saying it's the exact same game, but it's pretty close, right? Frustrating though,
0: really frustrating. Like we're here because we like these things. This game did. You don't need to reinvent the wheel to to sell me a new game. <laughs> I, I I don't really get it. Like I didn't think Civ Five was as good. As Civ Four. I didn't think Civ Civ 6, 6, Six is as good. As Civ Five. Just don't get why they keep
3: but there's a lot of people that never played Civ 4 or Civ 5 right there's always new people coming into the gaming market so they're going to be more likely to buy a new game I mean there's nothing wrong with it I mean that's business I'm not complaining about it but I'm not what I'm trying to say is, is because I'm not selling my game I'm not kind of a slave to that mentality I don't have to recreate the game from scratch so that I can sell it and
0: make more money right Build upon what you already have, a pretty solid foundation. Quite a solid. Foundation. What was that? I'm sorry. You can build upon what you already have, because you have a solid foundation right. already. That's correct. No, uh, it it makes sense. So, so what is the the next big thing you're working on for this game? You you mean you have a great UI. Uh, is it the AI or is it like more? Ra- you said you're adding three races. Like what is the next big thing? you Okay. Okay. So three more races. There's
3: three races that were added in Mu 2. So we're probably going to do those. And um, I don't know if you recognize this, but like in Mu 1, every race had like a specific game mechanic that they were good at, that they exploited. So we're going to add, three new game mechanics for those races so like they're good like so we're gonna add leaders leaders and heroes and one race is gonna be really good at those right so uh, um that'll be fun the antarans will be back
0: you'll have to fight the antarans what (laughs) dang it terrible at fighting the antarans i i turtle up and next thing i know i'm dead That's what I always do. (laughs) Well, Well,
3: the purpose of the endurance is to, um, you know, from a game mechanic standpoint, the purpose of the endurance is to provide the player a challenge in the middle of the game. You know, once you're starting to dominate the races, then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden here comes this super high tech race to give you trouble. Right. So it's it's a mid game um, mechanic to, you know,
0: keep you on your toes. Do you, do you see your game and and the Master of Orion one uh, style in general as kind of the antithesis of the hyper complex forex? Stilar- <laughs> the hyper complex forex we've been getting like Stellaris and whatnot. Well, so, I, I don't like Stellaris. I don't think I think Stellaris
3: is barely a forex game at all. It's thank you. It's, um, thank there's you. so much I don't like about that
0: game. Oh my god, I'm with you, man. Wow.
3: I am.
2: The reason why I don't like it is because it literally
0: keeps changing. Like you have to relearn the game almost all the time. Well, and every every time
2: people make great mods and then they patch and bust them. So
0: I
3: will say yeah. this: there's Stellaris is a great business model for Paradox. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no, no, honestly, I've I figured out what oh. Stellaris actually is. Stellaris is is sort of like a space story generator right but it's not a it's not a particularly good strategy game but right, I'll agree with that yeah but it's mm. like oh well here's this event and we're gonna do like especially um whenever you're playing like the Star Trek mod that's in there right because they they change some of the events so that they fit like Star Trekky things and then it's kind of like oh yeah all right I see it now because the the normal Stellaris events are kind of generalized things but um, I honestly, yeah, I think it, it all comes down to like those story event quest things that it gives you is, is kind of the strength of the thing, which I is why they sell DLC that's nothing but those.
3: I think it works as a strategy game for a multiplayer, right? Um, but I don't I don't like their randomly generated races at all. I think that's a huge uh, step backwards for the
0: genre to do that. think wasn't it like I think Explorminate just did a poll oh, like what's the best forex of the decade? And I think Stellaris won. Well, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of uh, Stellaris
3: players. There's no doubt about it, right? But a lot of people eat at McDonald's too, so. Oh, oh damn! <laughs> I,
0: I actually like McDonald's. I'll admit no, it. No,
3: well, I'm not comparing like Stellaris like to McDonald's. I'm just saying that. The size of a of a of a player base isn't necessarily a great indication. I know. Of, the, of a
0: game's quality. It just it just makes me kind of sad that that's the game that has that player base. Like I wish the worlds had that player base. I wish um God Galciv three maybe uh, is one of the better mood two kind of games had that player base, but no stellaris well it's it's not really a new player base i mean it's paradox's
3: uh, yeah. established player base right i mean stellaris isn't so great that on day one of its release it became the most sold forex or uh, space forex game on the planet just because it was great because nobody knew it was going to be great it became such a big seller because there was a huge existing player base that were that loved paradox games and so they were willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and they went out and bought it right Good or bad. Mm. It just makes it funny. just makes me yeah, mad. I mean, World of Warcraft was good, right? World of Warcraft was huge on its first day because Blizzard had a huge player base, right? And World of Warcraft was a very good MMO, right? So I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game, but that's why it sells so well, is because there's just you know, so many people already love Paradox,
0: and so they bought the game. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I want paradox to succeed, but I was honestly hoping for more of a Crusader Kings in space than what they eventually gave us, whatever it was. They didn't even give us Europa Universalis in space. I don't even know what they gave us. Like, it's not even a Too clone. It's just like the bare distillation of a 4X. That's not even fun. I don't it actually
2: know. is a fun space 4X. What What is uh, it? Oh, yeah, Empire War, the Star Wars game, like with that new mod that dropped. Oh, I haven't it's tried it they with took, the mod. They took away. Oh, they took away all the ground BS that just doesn't exist anymore, and it's nothing oh. but space combat.
1: So, so hold on about that. They took it out, but they're reworking it, and they're going to put it back in later. It's just I out choose because-
2: to, I choose to ignore it when it does. <laughs>
1: That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they that yes, it's out, but it's not out for good.
0: Is, 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 would Empire at War be considered a 4X? Like,
1: did it have? Yeah. There's there's no Kinda. real exploration to it. No, it's it's a an RTS with
2: yeah with, I call uh, it a the 3X.
1: <laughs> right. There's no exploration. The the galaxy is already explored in that. Right, I I think if you're
3: if you're an empire building game and you're competing against um other opponents to build an empire, then I think that is enough to qualify, right? Mm. And I I mean I don't think you have to like fully do every X, right? I mean four
0: X games are ultimately like Civ; they're just empire building games, right? True. Like we there was another three X game recently that I thought did well the um that Warhammer game, Gladius. It only has three of the X's because there's no diplomacy, and that game's great. I don't know if you guys have played that one, but that game's fantastic. Really, really fantastic. Because what what? There's no Warhammer. There's no diplomacy in Warhammer.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I either get it's like with Space Four X's. I wish that there was a game that was just diplomacy right Mm. it'd it'd be like diplomacy the board game in space so so it's all like wheeling and dealing and backstabbing and stuff but pulling the guns out is kind of a last resort because that would be a great idea get bad like you could have you could have like limited fights right like surgical strikes against things but if you ever had like well, let's let's say like Dune because I'm in the midst of rereading Dune right now, right? And and it makes me think about you know like the politics that's going on, and and it's a thing of uh, like if you ever had like like summon the fleet, right? <laughs> Our fleet is going to go to war with the other guy's fleet. Shit's really bad at that point, right? Like yeah. like neither empire is going to come out of that you know because uh, honestly orbital bombardment super devastating right like one one good asteroid look what it did to the dinosaurs right so i i i feel like the mutual annihilation thing should be enough to say you know let, let's not <laughs> right but well yeah, there should be there warfare. should be a lot of yeah there should be a lot of low key like i i would like to see economic warfare and and some political shenanigans and a lot of spy craft stuff and not so much like my fleet rolls up on, you you know, like
3: I wonder how well that would go over, though. I mean, because so much of the space Forks genre is is based on the whole Star Trek, you know, concept of, you know, meeting other races and there's there are battles and stuff. And I just I wonder if it would if that would catch on or not.
2: Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, because I think like a lot of people come into to this and they're like, well, we want, we're here for the combat, right? Like a civilization game, right? Like, what do you do in civilization? Right. Well, we get armies and we bang on each other and take their cities, right? So it's like, yeah. I, so could, then- I could see it work if it was like outposts and stuff, but not like a, a fully populated planet or whatever so if each empire like humans right we have earth we have our solar system um but stuff that we colonize out from from here uh would not be like full-on like another home world kind of thing right like if it was a colony we could lose a colony and we're not screwed um like if you you know you could put like a, a exploitive things. Like we, we drop some guys on this exoplanet. There's a, there's a little dome city there and they mine and the ore comes back. But if that gets bombed off the face of the planet, that's not going to collapse our entire empire. But if they come to our home world and bomb it flat done. Right. So, and I guess that, that also gets into the thing of like, does your empire sprawl out? Can, can you colonize, 'Cause a lot of these four X games, you know, it's like, well, you're fifty turns in and you got like six planets at max population already. And and it's kind of like, well, no, time scale kind of yeah.
3: Yeah, I think there's definitely some immersion breaking, you know, when you look at it. I mean, some of this is just abstraction like it's still a game right and so you have to like have abstract some things so that you're doing things that are unrealistic like oh i'm going to send three million people to this planet you know well
2: <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just the thing. When, I, when i got 20 planets i can afford to lose five but oh jeez if if it's <laughs> well you know what i mean though it's it's like yeah well you know we got 20 like full earth populated planets yeah we lost a few in the last war not a big deal because you know look what we gained um so i i guess like the the loss isn't and uh stellaris kind of tried to fix that with uh, i didn't really like their war fatigue thing that they did but it's kind of like you got the clock is ticking right when you start a war and the population is is just going to force you to stop it like even if you're in a crazy dictator government for some reason that says uh well you know the population's sick of this war so you, all our ships just went back to port it's like well, wait a minute i was winning i i i was like i crushed him like all the way back to his doorstep and then the population's like ah we should stop and <laughs> it's so frustrating you know
3: yeah, the way it's uh, um, the way I'm modifying this game right now is um, because there's so many different ways or reasons why the AI could declare war on you. You know, sometimes it's a random event, like your your uh, ambassador gets assassinated or something. Sometimes they like you, but you've got a really small fleet, and so it's you're just it's too easy to to attack you, right? But um, they're not going to stop they're not gonna uh, try to stop the war unless they're losing like as long as they're winning the war they're gonna keep going right they're not there's no amount of bribing that you can do to get them to stop if they're killing you right so the only way to get someone to stop a war against you will be to strike them back hard right and make them realize that they could lose something so I don't have like I don't like the concept of like you said you're winning a war but then
0: you have to suddenly stop that doesn't make any sense to me I, Jim, after bringing up that space diplomacy thing, I started thinking about how awesome it would be. Like, What if you were, like, were the space diplomat and like, you worked for an empire and you were sent here hither and yon by your empire to deal with these diplomatic incidents and whatnot? How great a game would that be? And then I started thinking, it'd be so complicated.
1: No one will ever do it. <laughs> we wait well, you we know, Brian, I was actually thinking of something else. Oh, uh, totally like I was mentioning that. I was thinking of Yes, Your Grace in space. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. That kind of
2: rhyme too. That's,
1: yeah. Yes, yeah. your grace. Yes, your space. Uh, <laughs> space your grace. Uh. Well, that's all the politics and wheeling and dealing, but from the throne room. Right. You're like, not what it- ordering armies to go out there. You you sort of are, but you're not directly controlling any of them.
2: Yeah, right. and well, like I've said on the show before, I find it interesting. To like say, okay, we're gonna dispatch an army out here, but uh, I'm not there, right? So I'm not controlling the battle or whatever. It's just like I sent the army, and then if anybody survives, we'll get news back, <laughs> you know. But if but if my fleet gets completely destroyed, I'll just never hear anything because it's like you know light years away, so news doesn't travel that fast. So it's it's only through like a hyperspace ship coming home to deliver the news that we would actually and and it, it's kind of the deal where it's like I, I feel like a game like that would would be uh, most of the situation report that you get would be like from your advisors right you would, you would have like your cabinet and they would say you know sire uh, here's the situation this is what I advise and then you make decisions based off that and your advisors could be wrong no, I was I'm I was a
1: look at Mr. Grace, Jim.
2: Uh, let me let me take a peek at that. I'm yeah, sure I like it. To...
0: But no, I was thinking of getting a little more micro. Like you are the diplomat, and so you're the one sent to talk to the enemy leader or the other diplomat, and then you're the one that sent, and then you send back your leader the options that they choose from, and then they send back what they want. and Then you have to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, your great, your highness, but my leader doesn't want to do this. <laughs> they turn down your trade deal, and then you have to deal with like the immediate fallout of of delivery. Yeah, because oh,
2: honestly, that would be great. I really like, I really loved the setup in Emperor: of The Fading Suns, the, mm. the whole mm. the story of what was going on, right? Because it's like yes. here's a bunch of here's a bunch of different houses or empires or whatever you want to call them diplomacy in that
0: game was great too fighting
2: yeah and they're fighting over the throne basically you know it's like here's the imperial planet in the middle and you can't just roll in there and take it you know (laughs) because there's already an emperor um and he's pretty powerful so you have to like get your your power level up to the point where you can go in there and cause trouble um yeah it's i mean it's heavily dune inspired uh, you know, looking at it, it's, it's pretty obvious, um, you know, and, and they have their like forbidden technologies that, you know, don't get caught by, you know, the, the inquisition inquisition. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, Oh, you have, Oh, you have forbidden weapons, bad.
1: Purge the whole empire.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, how, how much sly stuff can I get away with in front of the cops?
0: So, but th- but it, it's the yeah. thing
2: of like, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not a, uh, powerful enough to be independent player and no player in that game is because the established thing, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, of, uh, Stardock's game. Um, the thing where you fight the witch King I'm trying to remember what what's
0: on name enchantress. Is. Uh-huh.
2: No, it's the game that came from that
0: elemental.
2: No, keep
0: shooting.
2: That sorcerer King. Yeah, that was right because this because the Sorcerer King, it's it's like it's like in Star Wars, the Sorcerer King is like Emperor Palpatine, right? He's he's got a huge army. He's already sitting in in the palace, and you're just a minor like small rebellion that's starting up. Right. And then he comes and and gives you the stink eye, right? Because it's because it's like, oh, you're still a loyal vassal, right? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're totally loyal here. You know, and you can trade with him and you do business with the guy. But you also have to stop because he's got a meter that if if you let him get so powerful, the game ends. So you have to be undermining him, but you can't be just blatant like, hey, I'm undermining you over here, because he'll just come crush your ass. So mm-hmm. it, it requires a little bit of, of subtlety to it. Um, yeah, it, I would like to see something like that in space. Like, hey, Brad, <laughs> we know you listen to the show. How about Sorcerer King in space? How about that? <laughs> you, could, you could call it... uh
0: um, <laughs> a, a, Yeah,
2: a, a, a galaxy long ago and far away. Something like that. Totally oh. not Star Wars.
1: Just call it not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not Star
2: Wars dot com. Uh so it technically
1: is- could be done in like the way the Endless series is done, where it's all within the same shared universe and Endless Legend is just endless space but on a planet. Because it's the same races.
0: Oh, but isn't that like a different time period in the same universe at the same time? Sure, sure. You know, but it's like after the, the big concept class. is the same. Sorry,
1: yeah. The concept is basically the same. Using that shared universe.
0: God, that reminds me. We should put Dungeon of the Endless back on the calendar at some point.
2: Yeah. So yeah. you guys are talking about uh, games that, as they continue to add to the game, the AI becomes incapable of playing the game, and. Right. They've done a lot of work with it, but man, endless space was in that for a while. Right. Cause they added some races in there that had, uh, very different abilities, right. Cause every race in that game plays totally differently. And that's kind of the appeal of it is, is mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to play these guys. They don't even expand the same way. Like, you know, the tree guys, you have to like grow roots into other systems. You don't send colony ships, you know, stuff like that. Um, but then they put in a couple of races that were so weird and then the ai was just brain dead like just couldn't deal with it because it, it had nothing to do with any of the logic that the ai was used to do. right
3: and, there, and there's very little financial incentive for them to make the ai competent i mean there's lots of incentive for putting in new races and selling dlc but you know to make them actually smart and play well that's not very many people care about that and then another problem too these games are doing now is they put the burden of of that on the on the modders right so we have all these modders that make these almost necessary mods you have to play in order to get you know things to work well
2: yep now if you had a game see I the thing that I like about stellaris is the way that there's no turns; it's just time continues to flow, right? And you can speed it up and slow it down based on what's going on. But uh, a problem that I've always had in multiplayer with games, like we tried to play Star Civ, and and uh, like on this show, like years ago, the problem is when it's like you're starting the game, and it's like, okay, I'm going to research this technology, I'm going to build that ship, and I'm going to start constructing this building. The first thing. Of any of that mess that's going to get done is about twenty turns down the road. So now we just have to go around the circle. Everybody, click next twenty times, and that boy, that's irritating,
3: you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, mm-hmm. another problem too. When a lot of a lot of uh, um, games that they try to like alleviate some of the management of the game, so that they'll have like exploration set on auto right so like you said you're just clicking next turn waiting for your ships to explore stuff as opposed to directing those ships yourself so it kind of takes you out of the game
2: yeah and it's somewhat boring in single player but it's it's just hideous in multiplayer because you're you're waiting on however many players are there to, to wake up and click the button oh, oh it's my turn sorry yeah, yeah. so it, it i love that in stellaris though because it just keeps going right uh, somebody can go AFK. That's their problem, <laughs> right? Well, um, I
3: think Stellaris I mean, works well as a strategy game for multiplayer. I mean...
2: Yeah, I would just like... I would I like, I would cool like cool. to see uh, a game... It's like, take take the um, the game engine of Stellaris, right? How how it functions. But put, like, Endless Space 2 in there as as the actual flavor of it. That would work for me. Um, but I just Stellaris is, is kind of like it's some it suffers from uh, genericness, I guess. So it it needs it it basically needs a mod that puts a an actual story in there with with races that have opinions of each other. You know, it's not just random generated stuff, and then we play politics with it because that doesn't quite work. But the
3: randomly generated races, I think, are the most egregious sin of the game, because when you're playing a solo game against the AI, they, it's it's the job of the AI to provide like adversaries for you and for you to have like a relationship with these adversaries, they need, you need to see them game after game, right? You can't, mm. it can't just be randomly generated construct so like you know like when it's the mershon or where it's a race from one of these other games that's fleshed out you know who the mershon are they're like cats and they hate the birds or whatever but you they have a personality because they're consistent from game to game and you can't get that when you're just randomly generating races every game yeah I mean, that's to me is the worst part of stellaris is the races
2: you know in a in a game like stellaris too. There's a lot of micro that goes on, right? Like I have to I have to look at my planets and decide what buildings I'm going to build where and how I'm going to shuffle population around and stuff. But in Master of Orion One, you had the the mighty sliders, and that was it, right? But that's fine because it's like my my planet produces X amount of stuff, and then I'm going to just use sliders to, to like carve up the pie, right? It's, it's just like, okay, this percent of my stuff goes into this. And I think that that would work really well in a real-time game like
3: that. It, yeah, it makes the game very outward-focused, right? Your colonies don't take a lot of management, right? And so you can focus on dealing with other races and exploring the galaxy. It's, a, it's just a different way of playing the game, I think.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like you have a dial that's like, do I, do I want to focus on guns or butter? you know and you twist the dial and that's all you have to worry about because you know it, it's like it takes care of itself because the planet can self manage right you don't you don't have the the king that, that tells everybody in the kingdom what their job is and how many how many widgets to produce and whatever right you just you, know, you just set the dials where you need them and uh and if things are going weird then you turn the dials a little differently, right? Which would kind of basically be like turning to your to your ministers and saying, hey, go, ma- go make this happen.
3: Right. But although there are people who find ways to micromanage every turn, even in a game like, um, you know, Mass of Rain 1, yeah. right? There's still, if you know the mechanics well enough, there's ways to, you know, do little things every turn to improve your chances. And so um, micro is still a thing even in that game.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if it was real-time like Stellaris, it would be a little bit lessened. Yeah. Because you, you can't yeah. be everywhere at once.
3: There's not enough benefit to it if it was real-time. That's absolutely true.
2: But yeah, maybe maybe someday somebody will mod that in there. It's It seems like a good platform. It's just not a good game in the platform. But much could but- be done.
0: Stellaris? It's like a
2: Bethesda thing. Yeah, it's a Bethesda game. It's like, yeah, just put it out. We'll fix it. Or pff, Mech Warrior.
0: <laughs> what I
3: really like about Stellaris is that it's been out for three years, and people who play it still say that the game has potential.
2: <laughs> well, that, and if you if you go to their uh, to their betas section, then it's got a drop down, and you can just roll back to what version you liked that That says something,
0: oh, <laughs> oh boy oh no, let's 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 start wrapping up. We shouldn't turn this into the the Laura's hate hour uh
2: <laughs> no, let's talk about the economy and elite dangerous. can we do no. that Ooh, no. no, I'll let go them go. go, oh my god, <laughs> they finally they finally put in supply and demand, what and they screwed it up. Yeah, no, you didn't see that post I put in the in in the channel. I, I, yeah, no. they put in supply and demand. Like, if you go in and let, let's say they're 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 buying widgets at a thousand dollars, right? And then you go in there and you sell a bunch of widgets, then the demand is gone. So now they're only buying them for like two hundred dollars because they got too many, right? So fine, that's great. The problem is that when I go in there and I have a cargo hold full of them. The market looks at my cargo hold and says as if I have already sold them. So just by me docking with a bunch, the price goes down before I ever sell them. And it's like, wait, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. It's after, after I satisfy the hunger for something that they don't want it as much. But until I sell it to them, the price should stay where it's at. But that's not how it works. It's like, wow, what were you guys thinking? I can't even. So I hope that's a bug. It has to be a bug. I'm frontier. Anyway. Oh, God. Never change frontier.
0: Um, folks, next week on the show, we're not entirely sure yet because I've reached out to a game developer who's making a game that looks fairly exciting, uh, but they haven't confirmed. So not sure what's going to happen no. for the show. Huh? It's it's not Star Citizen, isn't it? Because that looks fairly exciting. <laughs> I don't think we will ever have Chris Roberts on this show ever again. Uh I mean that was a I think that was a one and done uh
2: by our choice or
0: probably a bit of both. Um yeah. I, I, I can't imagine they'd go back through like what have they said about Star Citizen and be like, Oh yeah,
2: no. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I think his your people will not allow him to expose himself to direct questions anymore. <laughs> I, th- I think that's basically the deal.
3: We're we'll we'll making that game starts. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yes. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, that's, so there was developments in the lawsuit. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Can... yeah Cry Crytek is trying to like back out of the lawsuit, but without prejudice so that they keep everything that's been done so far. It's basically like they filed the lawsuit way too early. Um, but interesting stuff. Whenever you read uh, Cloud Imperium Games' response to them about things, like they they allege that they're producing Squadron Forty Two as a separate game, we all know this. But then Chris Roberts' lawyers say, "No, no, we never said that." And and it's like it's like liars' club, right? And and then they we all know that they switched to the Lumberyard engine, right? But then they say, "No, we didn't." It's like, what? <laughs> hmm. It's like, we've known for years that you did it. We, we've talked to your people that did it. and but, the, but whenever it comes up as a legal question, it's like, no, we didn't. You can't prove it. It's like, oh, my God. Ugh. So, yeah, he won't come on the show because I'll ask actual questions. And I have that. He'd, he'd uh, have to have a lawyer sitting on either side of him to come on this show. That's
0: it'd be like a senate trial where they cover the microphone.
2: <laughs> well, and, and it's the thing. Like stop I would, I I don't even I don't even dislike him. Right? Like I I I would like to talk to him like as a bro. Like, hey, Chris, man, yeah, it's you're you're doing it right. Wouldn't it, wouldn't but it I have sad? some questions, and then the lawyers would be like, stop.
0: Wouldn't it be sad if like he never intended it to go this far? Like it's gotten so far away from him. He's like, God, what do I do? I can't make this work.
2: <laughs> he's like, what, privately. what Sandy actually keeps him locked up in oh, a cage God. and she only lets him out whenever oh. there's like, that. it could God. be like he is a prisoner in his own company and oh, that'd he, be a- like he's on he's on one of he's on like it's Citizen Con and and like. You know, he walks away, and then people notice on the bottom of his shoe it says, Help.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Chris, do you need help? you need help, Chris? Just nod. You need, just yes. blink twice. Blink, <laughs> blink twice. <laughs> God. We're terrible people. We're going to end it there, folks. Uh, so, yeah, we're not sure what's going to happen with the podcast next week. We'll do something. Not sure what yet um we have guests in two weeks but next week yeah is kind of up in the air at the moment i'm hopefully gonna nail that down as soon as possible uh and uh just a just final quick program note tomorrow uh we're returning to far cry 5 for a co-op stream in the morning um so that's gonna be a lot of fun uh roy i want to thank you so much for coming back on and talking about um sure friends of the program the little can't even talk anymore remnants of the (laughs) remnants of the pro pro, podcasters remnants of the podcasters uh which is (laughs) which is when you had a podcast and you got so tired of it you decided not to do it anymore uh (laughs) well i hope you enjoyed the game oh yeah no i can't wait to see it flourish and it flushed out even more I've only played a bit of it, but you can definitely tell that this is. I. I mean, if the AI put up more of a challenge, it would be a lot more fun. Yeah, but oh, that's, like that's definitely coming. Don't worry. Yeah, about it. I know, I know. That's why I'm saying it's just going to get more fun as it gets closer and closer to release. Um, so yeah, folks, the game is Remnants of the Precursors. You can get it again for free. <laughs> Uh, just go. Just uh, it's on HIO. The there are links on the streams. There's going to be a link uh, in the show notes of the podcast MP3 file. That's going to go up in a couple of days. Uh, but yeah, it's totally free to play. It runs great, and it's it's like if you played Master of Orion one at all, you'll just it's like riding a bike. You'll just jump right into this. And even if you haven't, even if you played any Space 4X, this is very easy to jump into. Uh, you might wonder why you can't build a farm on that planet, but that's not what this is about. <laughs> this, this is about the macro. Uh, this a is not more farming than, simulator, right? What was that? This is not Farming Simulator. Yeah, it's not SimCity, y'all. It's not. It's not even Space SimCity. Just, just. It, there's none of that colony management that bogs down so many games anymore. <laughs> so many games um yeah folks i want to thank you so much for listening uh and as always to our patrons thank you so much for supporting us and getting us with every dollar closer to being a full-time endeavor and with that we will see you uh tomorrow at 9 a.m pacific time with some more co-op far cry five have a great day everyone bye-bye